Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley, a beloved teacher of The Course, who has helped thousands learn how to express their beliefs from moment to moment in their everyday lives. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. This is my last week in Greece before I head back to the United States. It was a very windy day here, <laughs> but they get a lot of wind here uh, where I am in uh, on the island of Andros. It comes and goes. It's been beautiful. And I am grateful to share with you right now to transcend time and space for the purpose of our healing. So let's begin with a prayer as we always do. And then our topic this week is cultivating a guiltless mind. Yes, guilt is one of the main themes in A Course of Miracles, so we're going to dive deep into that today. Taking this breath of love and gratitude with our hand on our heart, we open ourselves to the power of love, the presence of love, the perfection of love. We're already as holy as holy can be, and we're willing to remember and recognize it. We're willing to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self for the purpose of remembering and recognizing our holiness. So grateful that I am that I am, and we are one with the I am presence of every being everywhere, and we're willing to remember that. Taking this breath of love and gratitude, we call forth a dynamic healing to transmute and transform any and all guilt. We're giving up the habits of guilt, the ways of guilt, the patterns of guilt, the root causes of guilt. Giving the heavy lifting to the Holy Spirit, we rejoice to cultivate a guiltless mind. We're giving up our suffering. We're choosing our freedom. And in gratitude, we share the benefits with all beings because we are one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. And if you're new to this radio broadcast, welcome. There are literally hundreds of episodes, and at the Power of Love Ministry, which is the ministry I founded, uh, we are in the process of transcribing the episodes, and so we've got a big project underway, we're making great headway, and pretty soon we'll start offering these transcripts available for free for downloading at jenniferhadley.com and at livingacourseinmiracles.com. How great is that? So, let's take that 
dive into the guiltless mind. So looking at chapter 5, section 5, which is entitled, The Ego's Use of Guilt. So it says in paragraph 2, Guilt is more than merely not of God. It is the symbol of attack on God. So, if you're someone who feels guilty a lot, here's something that can really support you in being motivated and inspired to address the healing and call it forth and to accept it. Because... Just think of something you feel guilty about. Think of a time when you recently felt guilty. For many, if not most people, that's not hard to do. And guilt and shame often go hand in hand. So, guilt is more than not merely of God. It is the symbol of attack on God. So, guilt is a symbol. Guilt is a feeling. It's an emotion. And it's an energetic. It's a belief system that is representing the ego. And when we feel guilt, it's the symbol of our belief in attack on God, whether we know it or not. So if we don't even know that our thoughts, our beliefs, and these guilt thoughts, these guilt beliefs, are an attack on God, and we don't even know it, wouldn't it be great to have this realization? Wouldn't it inspire us to realize that we are attacking God? Because if we're unaware that our thoughts and beliefs are attacking God, we are going to feel pretty bad about ourselves. We're going to feel ashamed. We're going to feel unworthy. We're going to feel essentially that something's wrong with us and that we should be punished. All that from the emotion of guilt. So let's see how guilt could be a symbol of our belief in an active attack on God. It says, this is a totally meaningless concept except to the ego. So what that means is that in reality, we can't actually attack God. In our experience in 3D human experience, We can think attack thoughts about God. We can have attack feelings about God. We can endeavor to attack God, but because our human experience is an illusion, we can't literally attack God. So it's a totally meaningless concept, except to the ego, which is fully invested in the illusion. It says, but do not underestimate the power of the ego's belief in it. This is the belief from which all guilt really stems. So we don't want to underestimate what kind of an impact this guilt is having on our life. This is the reason why we're talking about it today on the broadcast. So paragraph 3 says, The ego is the part of the mind that believes in division. 
All right, so we knew that. The ego is the part of the mind that believes in separation. How could part of God detach itself without believing it's attacking God? So just think about it logically. How could the ego, which is all about separating from God, actually try to detach itself without believing it's attacking God? So every thought that we have of separation, so every judgment, every criticism, every condemnation, doesn't matter whether we're condemning ourselves or someone else, is an attack on God. Which is why people feel powerless, it's why people feel bad and wrong and ashamed and unworthy. So this is why we put so much focus on eliminating the attack thoughts. Because God is all there is. No matter who we're attacking, no matter what we're attacking, we're attacking God. It says, we spoke before of the authority problem as based on the concept of usurping God's power. The ego believes that this is what you did because it believes that it is you. So the ego believes that what we did or tried to do is to usurp God's power. It says if you identify with the ego, you must perceive yourself as guilty. So anyone who's identifying themselves with a body, with a separate self, feeling unworthy, is going to feel or experience guilt. And it says, you will fear punishment. When you feel guilty, you will fear punishment. They go hand in hand. It's important to realize that, right? Because just think about this too. Think about in your relationships with your loved ones. Think about the ones you love the very dearest. Oh, you just love them so much. They're so precious to you. Do you ever say anything that could possibly make them feel guilty? Such as, I wish you hadn't done that, it really upset me. The only reason we would say something like that is because we're identified with the ego and we are trying to make the person feel guilty. We are putting the blame for our emotions and feelings on them. We're basically saying, I'm not emotionally and mentally mature enough to take responsibility for my point of view, for my perception, for the meaning I've made of things. So, that being the case, I'm going to project the blame and the shame onto you, make you responsible for my feelings and because you're responsible for my feelings and my feelings are not happy feelings you should feel guilty you're responsible you've upset me you've hurt me you've done me harm now you should feel guilty this is a standard operating procedure in so many relationships and I I catch myself moving in that direction on a regular basis, wanting to say to people, you know, if you hadn't done that, or I wish you hadn't done that, or, oh, all these thoughts. And I've learned 
Zip it, Jennifer. Zip that right up. Don't spread that poison, that contagion into your relationships. Relationships are far too precious to keep polluting them with this blame and shame, regret and resentment, guilt, etc. So this is how the ego keeps us in special relationships that people are supposed to... uh, be making us happy and keeping us happy and instead we're feeling nothing but problems and we're complaining about them and we're judging people so the ego believes that we have usurped the power of God which is not even possible and that we should be punished for it so the ego is always looking to send that punishment outward. So whether we know it or not, we're feeling guilty because we have basically edged God out. We have said, look, God's not doing what I want God to do. God left the building. Now I am in charge and... I'm usurping God's power in my life because God's not doing it the way I want it to be done. I don't seem to be able to reach God. I don't seem to be able to give God good directions. God's not listening to me. God's not giving me what I need and what I want. So I'm going to take matters into my own hand and I'm going to be the God of my world. And then we immediately feel terrified Because, A, we know that we are not all loving at all. And so we are afraid of having that power. And then we go back and forth and back and forth, uh, blaming others, feeling that um, we're victims. And then we're the powerful ones and we're the victims and we're the powerful ones. And, yeah, it's a nightmare. So... It says, if you identify with ego, you must perceive yourself as guilty. Whenever you respond to your ego, you will experience guilt. And you will fear punishment. The ego is quite literally a fearful thought. So many times people ask, well, what is the ego? It's a fearful thought. It is a thought system that's all based on separation, on usurping the power of God. So, it says here, However ridiculous the idea of attacking God may be to the sane mind, never forget that the ego is not sane. It represents a delusional system and speaks for it. Listening to the ego's voice means that you believe it is possible to attack God and that a part of God has been torn away from you. So, when are we listening to the ego? So it's saying here, listening to the ego's voice means, this is what it means, that you believe it's possible to attack God and that a part of God has been torn away from you. That's what listening to the ego means. So let's get clear about when are we listening to the ego so we can stop listening to the ego. Isn't that a great idea? Yeah. So basically, whenever we're judging, we're listening to the ego's voice. Whenever we feel upset, we're listening to the ego's voice. We're 
agreeing with the thoughts that aren't true, that the ego is consistently putting forward, that are the thoughts of separation. Whenever we're thinking thoughts of separation, we're believing the ego, we're in alignment with the ego, we've lost our mind. That's why we're upset. That's why A Course of Miracles tells us right in the beginning of the workbook lessons, I'm never upset for the reason I think. Never. So it says here, fear of retaliation from without follows. Because the severity of the guilt is so acute that it must be projected. Fear of retaliation from without follows. So in other words, fear of retaliation from outside yourself, believing, of course, that there is an outside yourself, follows because the severity of the guilt is so acute that it must be projected. So do you live in fear that people aren't going to like you? Is this a constant issue for you that you're going to get rejected from people, that you're doing something that's bad or wrong, that um, you're not acceptable? All of that literally is the fear of retaliation for having listened to the ego's voice in the first place. So when we buy the ego's story of lack, attack, limitation, and separation, we're going to have that experience of, I I think of it as a, um, it's like a boomerang. It's the, the backwash that comes at us where we feel afraid of uh, attack, we feel guilty, we feel ashamed. And a lot of times we may have no idea what's really going on, what's really generating it. We, we might think it's free-floating anxiety, that we can't f- put our finger on it. Just something got triggered. Now, the great thing I think about working in spirit and working in the invisible, and of course this is exactly what everyone in my classes is training themselves to do. So in Finding Freedom and Masterful Living, we're working at this mind training all the time. It takes a tremendous amount of willingness and consistency to keep at it all the time, and uh, we find that working in a group is extremely beneficial. So it says, whatever you accept into your mind has reality for you. It is your acceptance of it that makes it real. So we allow into our mind opinions and judgments and beliefs that aren't true. But because we accept them as true, they feel real to us. It says, if you enthrone the ego in your mind... Your allowing it to enter makes it your reality. So this is why whenever we recognize the ego thoughts are coming up, it's simply a matter of calling upon the Holy Spirit and saying to the ego, Holy Spirit is in charge of my life. I have no interest in listening to you anymore. You have no power over me. The only power in my life is the power of love. That's what has worked for me. It says, again, if you enthrone the ego in your mind, if you put the ego in charge of your mind, 
your allowing the ego to enter is what makes it your reality. This is because the mind is capable of creating reality or making illusions. I said before that you must learn to think with God. I love, I only think the thoughts I think with God. That's one of my favorites. And uh, for quite a while, I just said it over and over again. So when I felt ego thoughts rising, judgments, opinions, criticisms, thoughts of lack, attack, limitation, and separation rising into my awareness and starting to buy into them, I would say, get thee behind me. (laughs) Like Jesus said to the devil in the King James Version of the Bible. And um, I would say, get thee behind me. I'm only, I only think the thoughts I think with God. I only think the thoughts I think with God. So this is what Jesus is referring to here. He says, I said before that you must learn to think with God. To think with God is to think like God. This engenders joy, not guilt, because it's natural. Guilt is a sure sign that your thinking is unnatural. Unnatural thinking will always be attended with guilt, because it is belief in sin. Unnatural thinking will always be attended with guilt, because it is the belief in sin. So just think, if we do say something to someone casually like, you know, I really wish you had told me there was a sale on at the store on television sets because I wanted to get a television set, and I thought you knew that. We're making someone trying to feel, make them feel guilty. We're trying to project our own sense that we've done something wrong or bad, and that they should feel bad about it. I don't want to feel bad about it. I'm going to put it on you. It's your fault. And you're separate from me. So if I put the guilt on you, there's no guilt on me because we're separate. You see, now just think about this. Let's boil it down to the truth. Let's say that we're talking about something as mundane as, I wish you had told me there was a sale on televisions last weekend. I thought you knew. I wanted to buy a television. You weren't looking out for me. You didn't have my best interests in heart. You're not paying attention to me. And now it's your fault. I did not get a television on sale. So maybe I won't be able to get a television now. I could have had a television, but now I don't have one. Or now I'm going to have to pay more for my television or work harder to find a bargain. You can see how all that stuff would be layered into a comment that could be said as lightly as, Oh, I really wish you had told me that there was a sale on Uh, last weekend, because I thought you knew I wanted to buy a television. You could say it so casually, so la-di-da, but underneath that is daggers and and little grenades uh, saying, it's your fault, it's your fault, you're bad, I'm, I'm not bad, you're bad, you're the one, you're the one, you're the one. And all of that, of course, is affirming so clearly that something bad has happened. I want my TV, right? <laughs> I want my MTV. I wanted my TV bargain. And now, because of you, I don't have it. It's your fault. Ah! 
Now your up, my upset is also your fault. I'm, all this stuff is your fault, right? That's the ego approach. But what would be the spirit's approach? How can we look at this with the eyes of God and think only the thoughts I think with God? Here you go. It's like this. Huh. There was a television sale last weekend. My friend knew it. They went and got a nice television. Hmm. Must be either it's not a good time for me to get a television or a better deal is going to come my way. Otherwise, I would have somehow been alerted to the TV sale. If it was in the highest and best interest of me to get that television on sale, I would have known about the sale. But I didn't know about the sale. So I must be divinely guided not to get the television at this time. Or to go somewhere else for it. I don't know what the exact thing is, but I am open to being divinely guided in perfect timing. So, all is well, and I, for sure, do not need to feel upset, and I don't need to blame anyone else for my upset. Nothing bad has happened. Nothing wrong has happened. Everything's in divine order. I'm always guided and protected all the time, and I can depend on this. I can count on this. It is eternally so. So we train our mind to think only the thoughts we think with God, which is that everything is in divine order. There is no other kind of order. There's only divine order. How wonderful. How blessed we are. How great thou art. It takes willingness, you see. It takes willingness to see that, oh, you know what? This might not be the best time for me to get a television. Maybe I need to use that money for something else. Maybe another better deal is going to come along. Maybe somebody's going to give me a television. I have definitely had instances. I can't think of one right now specifically. But I've had a number of instances. Oh, well, here's one. Um... Oh, yeah, this is a perfect example. So, I don't know, three years ago, four years ago, something like that, I thought, you know what? I would like to get a food dehydrator and make dried fruits and nuts and things like that and make kale chips and stuff like that. I said, yeah, I think I'm going to get myself one for my birthday. So I I went to go shop online. I like to shop online. I like that much better than going out to the store a lot of the time. So I went to go do some research about getting a dehydrator. And Spirit came right into my mind and said, Don't focus on that now. When the time is right, you will know what to do. So in that moment, I I was very clear and obedient. So I said, Okay, great. Now is not the time for me to get a dehydrator Now is not the time for me to shop for one. When it is time, I will be notified. (laughs) So, I, uh, I, I just put it on the back burner. And like once a week or so, I'd think, hmm, dehydrator? Nope, not now. 
Okay, not now. Fine, I'll be obedient. So then what happened was my friend got a dehydrator at Christmas time. But they didn't like their dehydrator. And they said, hey, we got this dehydrator. We decided we really don't want it. We want something else. So would you like it? And I said, yes, I would. And they said, great. There you go. Have a nice time. Enjoy your dehydrator. So I did. I dehydrated a bunch of fruits and nuts. And I shared some with them uh, whenever, you know, it was convenient. And everybody's happy. I got a free dehydrator because I listened. So something better was emerging. But I could have said, oh, no, I want it now. I need it now. And then imagine, I would have gone and gotten that dehydrated then, and then my friend would have said two, three weeks later, hey, I got a free dehydrator. Do you want it? I just bought one. You see? And then I would be upset because why? Because I'm thinking something different should have happened. But it's the perfect thing that happened, if that had happened, because then I would have realized potentially, that I wasn't listening to the guidance and I could have been listening to the guidance and everything's better when I listen to the guidance. For me, one of the biggest lessons of my life is just, oh, Jennifer, you pray for the guidance, listen to the guidance when it comes. Please. <laughs> that's, that's like my biggest lesson I repeat over and over and over again. Just why pray for guidance if you're not going to listen to it? Come on. It's not that hard, Jennifer. So, um, there you go. All right, we're eliminating guilt. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and welcome back. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and our topic this week is on eliminating guilt. The guiltless mind does not suffer. We're not interested in suffering. We've suffered enough. And we've learned all we can from suffering. So just before I jump back into that topic, I would like to share with you some stuff that's going on at the Power of Love Ministry. Some opportunities that will be soon posted on our website at jenniferhadley.com. Remember, you can always check the events page at jenniferhadley.com to see what's going on. And there are a bunch of things going on. I, every day I write daily inspiration and I record a new prayer. You can read the inspiration. You can receive it in your email. You can call on the phone and listen to the prayer. So you can put it in your speed dial. It's a Southern California number, and it's just the same cost of calling anywhere else in Southern California. And uh, you can also, though, you can subscribe to the podcast of the prayers and download the prayers on your device. And so you can have many, many prayers available all the time. So you think, oh, I'm feeling uh, sick. I'd like to have a prayer for healing. For wholeness. I'm feeling angry. I'd like to have a prayer for peace. Uh, I've got 
hundreds and hundreds of prayers so you can take advantage of those by means of the podcast. And you can also individually download the prayers from the website every day as they are posted there. So that's something I'd just like you to know about. Also, we have more than 240 episodes of this radio show. You can subscribe to it by podcast, if you haven't already, through Stitcher, uh, if you're on a PC or an Android, and through iTunes, uh, if you have iTunes. So that makes it easy, and then you can just easily access all the episodes and search for them uh, through an app on your phone device uh, or your iPad or computer. So lots of options there. If you really enjoy this radio show, I invite you to take the time, please, to write a review. Your reviews mean a lot in terms of whether or not the podcasting company, like iTunes, will show it to other people. That's what makes them inspired to show you things, is when many people are writing reviews. So thank you for sharing your reviews. And also just a reminder, as I said at the top of the show, we've got a fundraising campaign. We're working to uh, transcribe the radio show episodes and prayers so that people who, uh, for whom English is a second language or who are healing impaired, hearing impaired, not healing impaired, what? <laughs> that um, they could have access to these prayers and the radio show episodes. People have been asking me that for years and years, so we finally started raising the money to do that. You can make a contribution to support this radio show and the transcription at... Uh, jenniferhadley.com powerofloveministry.net or livingacourseofmiracles.com we're all one organization your tax deductible contributions uh, mean so much in terms of us being able to offer many free offerings and some of the offerings that are coming up that aren't free more free offerings will be coming your way I'm working on some new free classes for July. I'll be telling you about those hopefully in a week or so. Uh, But I'm also planning uh, two more spiritual counseling intensives, actually possibly three, in the UK in September, early September, the week of Labor Day here in the United States, so that first week in September, and then in Thailand in early November, and then in Kauai, Hawaii, in probably early March, something like that. So working on those three spiritual counseling intensive trainings. Uh, it's a great opportunity. The people who have come to these in the past have loved, loved, loved them. So working on getting you all of those details. Also going to be offering a meditation retreat, Not a, I keep saying meditation retreat, New Year's Reboot Retreat, which will include uh, meditation uh, at New Year's. So offering a New Year's Reboot Retreat at New Year's in North Carolina. And also in uh, October, a Course in Miracles Weekend Retreat. Just going to dive right into the course and get into it and have fun with like-minded souls. And a forgiveness weekend, also in October. Both of those two retreats will be two 
consecutive weekend so people could come for the whole week if they like and uh, do some one-on-one work with me in the middle of the week. And uh, that will be also in North Carolina. The Art of Living Retreat Center has such beautiful facilities, and I really like it there. So we're going to be working on all of those. Also, at the very beginning of September, four days of sightseeing uh, in and around Salisbury, Glastonbury, Bath, Avebury, Four of my favorite places in the whole, whole world. Of course, it will include Stonehenge, which I think is probably my favorite place in the whole world. And um, I hope you'll consider joining me one of those events. And let's see now. Going back to relieving ourselves of the guilt. And so I was giving this example of how everything works together for our good. We have to be willing to accept it. Must be willing to accept it. So I had to be willing to accept that it was not the best time for me to buy the food dehydrator because someone was going to give me one. I I couldn't have seen that that was possible, but there it was. So it's saying here, we're in chapter 5, section 5, which is entitled, The Ego's Use of Guilt. It says here, The ego does not perceive sin as a lack of love, but as a positive act of assault. This is necessary to the ego's survival because as soon as you regard sin as a lack, you will automatically attempt to remedy the situation, and you will succeed. The ego regards this as doom, but you must learn to regard it as freedom. So, the ego does not perceive sin as a lack of love. But spirit recognizes that the belief in sin, energizing the idea of sin, oh, I'm a sinner, oh, I'm sinning because of my sex life, uh, my drinking, my smoking, my this and my that, my sloth, you know, the seven deadly sins, The belief in sin itself is a lack of love. That's what this is talking about. So, once we can realize that the very idea of sin is not even true, we're on the road to freedom. It says, the guiltless mind cannot suffer. Remember... Uh, The belief in sin brings with it the belief in guilt and the experiences of guilt, which are the tool that the ego has to keep us in this place of being attack, attack mode towards God. Remember, guilt is more than merely not of God. It is the symbol of attack on God. So we're eliminating guilt. When you feel guilt... It's because something you've been thinking has been an attack on God. Now, check this out, because people tell me this all the time. They might say something like, hey, I was just talking about the um, retreat. Well, I'd love to go on a retreat with you, Jennifer, but I'd feel guilty leaving my family behind. So let's look at how could that possibly be an attack on God, that guilt. 
Number one thing to understand is that if you live your life in service to the light, if you have the intention to walk the talk and live the love and be a truly helpful and healing presence in this world, whatever you feel guided to that supports you feeling more peaceful, more harmonious, more inspired, more available to be helpful, these are the things that serve the light. Thinking that doing something that serves the light would be a sin, would be wrong or bad, and you should feel guilty for thinking of it, is how you attack God. So let's just project it outwards for a moment. Let's say your friend tells you or your co-worker or colleague tells you, you know, I'm really interested in being a more loving person. I'm interested in being more harmonious and more helpful. So I'm thinking of going on this spiritual retreat. And you say to them, oh, that's so selfish. You should feel guilty just thinking about doing that, only caring about yourself. What? That doesn't even make sense, right? I'd like to be a more loving, more helpful person in this world and better serve the light. So I'm interested in taking steps to support me in doing that. And someone comes along and says, that's so shameful. How selfish of you. You should feel guilty for even thinking of that. It's nonsensical. But that's what people do to themselves. They think if they just enjoy themselves, they should feel guilty. You know, particularly, I know this is one thing that comes up when loved ones are going through difficult times and loved ones have died, or even that there's suffering out there in the world, that we should somehow not be able to enjoy things. You have to eat everything that's on your plate because there are children starving in China. Right? Didn't many of us hear that when we were growing up? You should be glad and grateful that you have enough to eat. Now eat everything on your plate or you're bad and wrong and selfish and ungrateful. And you should feel guilty and ashamed of that. You see, so using guilt to manipulate people to eat their vegetables. They should be punished for that. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) So, the guiltless mind cannot suffer. Being sane, the mind heals the body because it has been healed. All right. So, this pertains to healing and wholeness, which is exactly what Chapter 5 is all about. So healing and wholeness. Here's a tip for us here. The guiltless mind cannot suffer. Being sane, the mind heals the body because it has been healed. So when the body is not well, it's because the mind is not well. And we all have different ways to learn. Nobody's way is any better than anybody else's.
So somebody's way to learn might be having illness in the body. Another person's way to learn is their child has illness in the body. Another person's way to learn is that uh, their business partner steals from them and runs the company into the ground. Nobody's challenges are more holy than anybody else's. We have one mind. We're all doing our particular aspect of the curriculum. And think of it this way, too. Because the people who are the most highly spiritually evolved that we can commonly think of, I often give the example of the Dalai Lama, the Dalai Lama has some of the biggest challenges of anybody on the planet. So his, his, he doesn't have uh, just something uh, we could say small to deal with. He doesn't have just health issues to deal with. He does have health issues sometimes. But he is also looking at the health of his nation and an occupying nation. China and Tibet. So, just because you have challenges that are very intense or frightening or difficult or challenging or overwhelming doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong or bad. It's so important not to think of it that way. It's just you have your part of the curriculum. Will you heal the mind that made that curriculum. It's for your benefit and the benefit of all. So, being sane, the mind heals the body because the mind has been healed. Only when the mind is healed can the body be healed. It says the sane mind cannot conceive of illness because it cannot conceive of attacking anyone or anything. So if you feel like your body's being attacked by illness, see if you can let go of every attack thought you feel drawn to energize. He says, I said before that illness is a form of magic. So magic and miracles. Let's just talk about that for a moment here. Miracles are shifts in thinking in the mind. When we have a miracle in the mind, then we have a miraculous shift or appearance in the world of form. Magic is trying to manipulate the world of form without working at the level of the mind. So one simple way to think about this, taking medicine would be trying to manipulate things in the world of form versus making a shift at the level of the mind and having a miraculous healing. That said, if I start getting a headache, I will also take aspirin. That's me. From time to time, I can get a very bad headache. So if I start getting a certain kind of a headache, I'll go take aspirin. But that's not the only thing. I would do. I would also be willing to look at, am I in conflict 
with myself? Is there a conflicting thought that's happening in my mind? Am I choosing peace and war simultaneously? So he says, I said before that illness is a form of magic. It might be better to say that it is a form of magical solution. Illness is a form of magical solution. It says the ego believes that by punishing itself, it will mitigate the punishment of God. Yet even in this, it is arrogant. It attributes to God a punishing intent, and then takes this intent on its, as its own prerogative. It tries to usurp all the functions of God as it perceives them, because it recognizes that only total allegiance can be trusted. So, let's break this down a little bit more. The ego believes that by punishing itself, which it believes is the body, it will mitigate the punishment of God. So, there's this guilt, because the desire for separation from our brothers and sisters, saying, I'm better than, I'm less than. Hence, the... uh, how the thought of separation starts to take root and take form. Better than, less than. Better than is desirable, less than is undesirable. Thinking these kinds of thoughts, they're better than me, they're less than me. Uh, Thoughts of separation. What then happens is we are trying to usurp God and separate Divide, it's divisive thinking. So then the ego deserves, believes it deserves to be punished, so it takes it out on the body. Yet even in this is the ego arrogant, because the ego attributes to God a punishing intent. See, and this is one of the most common hidden beliefs is that this belief that God must desire to punish me because I have been so bad, I have been so wrong. God gave me everything and I have, instead of appreciating it and praising God, I have been thinking attack thoughts about my brothers and sisters. I've been bearing false witness with my attack thoughts of my brothers and sisters, saying that they're less than. I've been bearing false witness about myself, saying that I'm less than. All of this has to be reprehensible to God, so God must want to attack me. And since I'm a usurper, I'm usurping the power of God. I'm going to keep doing that, and I'll punish myself by making myself sick. That's what it's saying. It says, the ego cannot oppose the laws of God any more than you can, but it can interpret them according to what it wants, just as you can. The ego cannot oppose the laws of God any more than you can, but it can interpret them according to what it wants, just as you can. So this is again, oh, it says it right here. That is why the question, what do you want, must be answered. So, do you desire the peace of God? Is that what you're really interested in? Or would you rather usurp the power of God, attack God, and replace God? Or would you rather have the peace of God? Would you rather have prosperity? Would you rather have love and wholeness and freedom and joy and all the good in life? It's up to you. What do you want?
he asks us. He says, you are answering it every minute and every second, and each moment of decision is a judgment that is anything but ineffectual. Its effects will follow automatically until the decision is changed. So every minute we are answering the question what we want by what we choose. This is why our choice is our tool. It's our greatest tool. Each moment of decision is a judgment that is anything but ineffectual. So every choice that we make will have an effect. And the effects will follow automatically until we make a different decision. So let me change my mind. And that's such a great way to put it. So Holy Spirit, and this this is the beautiful prayer just a few pages later, the very end of chapter 5, which is, I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I want to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I'll let him. I choose to let him by allowing him to decide for God, for me. And that's it right there. So, it's about the decision. What do you want? And if you don't have what you like, if you're not enjoying things, make a new decision. Look for the decision. Make a new choice. All right. Yes. Once again, a reminder that you can make a contribution to support this radio show. We are listener-supported radio at Unity FM. You can make a donation at Unity. You can make a donation at JenniferHadley.com. Both are tax-deductible. And I invite you to place your hand on your heart once again. Let's take that breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful and so thankful that love is all that we are. Love is all that there is. And we're making the decision right now to choose love. In gratitude, we share the benefits of our loving choice with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining with me. Have a great rest of your week. I love you. Mwah.